Hello, everyone, and welcome to the We Watch 100 Isekai podcast, where today we are covering Isekai number 37, that time I got reincarnated as a slime. I am Thermite Kitty, and I'm here with my co-hosts. I am daunted by the fact that we are this close to being halfway through, and my name's Zaku. Uh, we are safely over a third of the way through. Now we're inching our way up to halfway through. We're hitting those milestones. Don't really have anything planned for specific number milestones, but, you know, we might see as we get to them. Yeah, maybe we'll cover a more high-profile show for 50 or something. Yeah, I mean, right now we're doing a pretty darn high-profile show. That time I got reincarnated as a slime. True. Yeah. Yeah, people definitely care a lot about this one. Mm-hmm. Uh, also known as Tensei Shitara Suraimu uh, Dateken, also known as just Tensura, in short, or Slime Isekai, which, I mean, I know there's at least one other slime-based isekai, not counting that time, you know, killing slimes for 300 years. So for this to be Slime Isekai is a very, like, you know, sticking your flag right into the dirt. Like, even Overlord is not Bone Man Isekai. Skeleton Isekai. <laughs> I will say, if Overlord was some called something like the incredible Selic skeleton sorcerer finally sets out for the conquest of his land, people would be calling it Skeleton Isekai. Yeah. I mean, Overlord really just doesn't need a abbreviation or a like slang term because it's Overlord. Like, it's a good name. You say it and it's like, yeah, I know what Overlord is. Yeah. I've been ruminating on the long names uh, for uh, recently and I was thinking, you know, I feel like they're just off on the wrong foot with the super plain series description, but maybe that's just the way you need to market series in a mm -hmm. market of decreasing attention spans where you're barely going to get anyone to read in the first place, so you might as well try to shoot for an audience that will be charmed by knowing the sheer content of your series described in full. Mm hmm Although I do think it's a shame when I think about more titles, or rather long titles, that use their extended space for something very evocative, like Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep, or mm. I Have No Mouth and I Must Scream, or Kill Six Billion Demons. Yeah. Like, We Watch 100 Isekai is a long title in its own way, and I really like it because it's, you know, it's very blunt. It's very, like, it is like a weapon. You hear it and you're like, okay, I know what this is. Yeah, we're, we're definitely making sure that people know what we're about. Yeah, I mean, our title is inspired by Kicks, uh, Kill Six Billion Demons. Just in that yes. brutal, is it? Can you have Brutalist Architecture in your title? I think you can. I think if your title feels like it's beating you over the back of the head with a concrete slab, that's a <laughs> Brutalist title. Ah, uh, yeah. Can we put the titling of books itself into artistic periods? I feel like you could really write a paper about this, honestly. You could. Like... I feel like these long flowery titles have some sort of DNA in common with, you know, very detail oriented, like detail for the sake of detail oriented art styles, where it is all about all the tiny little extra flourishes. And it's not even about like noticing the flourishes. It's just about having a ton of them on there. Yeah, 
And I mean, a lot of it could also be a writing style that's more influenced, knowingly or unknowingly, by mid-18th century century naturalism, which cares a lot about in-depth descriptions of environments and details that might not necessarily be important. Mm -hmm. Which is, of course, a writing style I personally detest. But, you know, go off. Ah. I've I've never been more put off than I, I don't remember the series. I don't want to like slander anything, so I won't try to guess. But I remember one of my friends in school trying to sell me on a fantasy series that was very long by saying you can read every other paragraph and it's fine. <laughs> that was a real. I, I have a. Mm-hmm. I'll say this as a big fan. I have a scant feeling that it might have been Aragon because. Christopher Paolini is nothing if not known for his flowery expressions. Yeah, I, I read Aragon. I was fine with that. I mean, Aragon, I think, is it should be taught in school, especially in like, you know, a criticism class, because there's so much in it that is very easy to criticize. But at the same time, like, I get it. Christopher Paolini, Christopher Paolini was not old when he wrote the first book, nor when he wrote the second I'm pretty sure he was 17 at the time of the first book. Yeah. And that's already a pretty impressive writing credit for that age. Hmm. Like, for something at 17, it is a fantastic. Like, it's better than a lot of, uh, you know, even very well-regarded fanfic I have read by 17-year-olds. <laughs> Uh, I'm sure it's better than a lot of contemporary fantasy books by significantly older authors. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, if you're going to rip off Star Wars and Ursula K. Le Guin, then you're going to make something that's pretty darn good. Like just by taking, you know, those things that are really strong. It is part of the like modern Isekai genre, I'd say, to likewise look at stuff that is really popular and go like, well, what if I do that? <laughs> I see that Otomo Otome game isekai is getting popular. What if I do one, but the girl is in love with another girl? I will say I never noticed the Aragon Star Wars similarities until I was like told about them as an adult on the internet. Mm. But I was also never that big of a Star Wars fan. See, I, I had the reverse problem in that I noticed the Star Wars stuff independently, and then I went online. I was like, "Oh, I'm gonna, everyone's gonna think I'm so smart when I bring this up." And then I was introduced to, uh, you know, the, the uh, hero's journey. And even then, I was I still see. like, "But, uh, but it's so, you know, it's got other similarities." They're like, "No, every yeah. hero's journey is like this." It's like, "Ah, I'm but so then smart." They extra twists upon the Star Wars twists. The double twist the twists that everyone's expecting. Ah. Oh. But this isn't an Aragon podcast. This is an Isekai podcast. And Aragon, even by the loosest definition of the term, is not an Isekai. Ah. <laughs> uh, so, that time I got reincarnated as a slime. How was that time you got reincarnated as a slime? It was pretty alright. Yeah. The title is very evocative. Like, the title definitely implies there's going to be something else. It definitely implies that you're being told this story, like a How I Met Your Mother style conversation Mm -hmm. with your, like, parents. That they're going to tell you about the time they get reincarnated as a slime. But (laughs) sadly, we get uh, no such framing device. Ah, no. This is not 
in fact, Isekai Oji-san, which is basically that exact thing we just described. Ah, <laughs> uh, I mean, the, uh, the light novels, as I understand them, are, like, still running. We've got 18 plus two extra volumes. I don't know what those are, but, uh, like, essentially 20 volumes currently out, still ongoing. It's very possible that the series will end with a end of part one. That time I got reincarnated as a slime, Finn. <laughs> Next time, the other time I got reincarnated as a slime. <laughs> oh god, that time I got... Mm, actually, if, 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 if this turns into a sort of affair where he gets flung into yet another fantasy world, a highly underutilized twist that mm -hmm. more of these Isekai should fall for cheap extra engagement, that would be pretty mm -hmm. badass. Did they introduce any mechs yet, is the big question. <laughs> uh, we should really just add a checklist of, is mech content going to appear? Yeah, is mech content going to appear out of nowhere, ten volumes in? <laughs> I do know there is a, uh, that time I got reincarnated as a slime spin-off manga called, uh, that time I got reincarnated again as a workaholic slime, which is the... Uh, something I was joking about an episode or two ago, the, the concept of what if you got reincarnated, you know, if you died as a salaryman and you went to another world and you just became a salaryman again. You know, that is very sad, but I think very poetic, too. Like, there's been very few series I can think of that do a genuine, I, you know, I am a neat, I have these habits that keep me from being able to su succeed, and then I went to another world and I did the same thing because it's, you know, hard to change. Yeah, and in a similar way, uh, again, I am frustrated with, like, you know, I think this is a very prevailing cultural attitude that you see reflected in a lot of anime. Just the idea that, like, uh, or maybe a feeling of subtle self-hatred that is the constant idea of I must be the one in the wrong. Mm -hmm. I must have something done something in the wrong or I must have gotten unlucky in a way that is just completely generic. Right. A complete unwillingness to reflect upon the failures of your society as a whole. Yeah. It's always the if I had one more go but this time I, I had much more privilege I'd be okay. Just like well sure yeah. I guess. <laughs> yeah and that's kind of just not reflecting on the, the the grander reasons behind anything or you know them wanting to reflect on making a world that's less based on being born with said privilege mm -hmm. but i think in general a lot of isekai protagonists are very self-aware but not very philosophical yeah I'm going to say also, it does bother me that the one thing I have seen bring, you know, be brought up in multiple series, some of which we have done on the podcast, has been the specific, I was really horny in my previous life, and that has carried over. Like, that is going to be a struggle. I just, I can't stop being horny. But it's never the, like, I don't know how to cook and I don't feel motivated to cook, so I'm still never going to learn how to cook in this world and that's going to eat to my finances. It's almost always just I'm really horny and I'm I can't not be horny. Yeah, I mean, I suppose that's supposed to be a relatable character trait. As a notoriously unhorny per unhorny person that I am, it's a bit hard to relate to, but mm. uh, you know. <sighs> well, 
This is a... We've gotten to a strange sort of vibe on this one. We have. Do we want to start on the summary? Or do uh, we want to recap who brought this to us first? Uh, I will say that the, uh, the writer is someone with the pen name of Fuse. The illustrator is Mitzvah. And it was serialized online for uh, three years on Shosetsuka Ninaro, our beloved website from which, you know, a lot of Isekai come from. A lot of just, you know, uh, fan published content or like, you know, and fan is the wrong term, like amateur published uh, online content. But after three years, it was acquired by Micro Magazine, which then published the first light novel, did really well. And it's been like just a light novel series ever, ever since. It is not one of those. It comes out as a web novel, then it gets edited into a light novel, then it becomes other things. Like right now, it is just light novel. I see. It is brought to us. Uh, the anime, I should say, is uh, 8-Bit Studio. 8-Bit Studio is mostly known for that time I got reincarnated as a slime. It isn't the first thing they did. Like, they did Infinite Stratos, uh, Busoshinki, uh, <sighs> Knights and Magic, right? I forgot they did Knights and Magic. <laughs> well, we've already mm -hmm. seen something by them. Mm -hmm. Actually, I'm pretty sure I've also seen Infinite Stratos at some point. <laughs> but right now, uh, I, I would say the, the main thing they do is that time I got reincarnated as a slime. The, re uh, the regular... Uh, Sorry, the irregular at Magic High School is also like pretty big. I've heard people talk about it. It's also oh, yeah. that's a that's a big one that used to be very popular. Yeah, it's also a series that started on Shosuke, uh, Shosetsuka Ninaro, incidentally. Wow. But now Eight Bit is on that grind. They did uh, Slime Season Two Part One. They did the Slime Diaries. Then they did Season Two Parts Two. Still going, I believe. What's it can be the all slime, slime all time. Diaries? Uh, the Slime Diaries is a spinoff that is mostly just like, uh, from what I understand, it's more slice of lifey, but it's still like, you know, in the same world. I see. So that is all the production stuff that I think anyone would care about. Let's move quickly. Uh, let's move swiftly into the summary. <laughs> I don't know what that means. Quiftly, huh? Let's quiff our way all the way in. I think I, mean, I meant swiftly. I thought you were confused between saying quickly and swiftly. I think that makes sense. So we kick off the episode. A big magic seal uh, shows us, I believe, World War II Japan as uh, a city is being bombed. Fire bursts out, destroying many old buildings. A girl watches as countless bombs rain down across her village. Her mom tries to drag her away, but her mom doesn't quite make it. And a mysterious summoner uh, brings her to another world just before the flames manage to engulf her. We will not. I mean, yeah. Okay, let's describe what is happening on screen. A giant fire tornado rises up in the sky and disintegrates the little girl while some <laughs> guy is smiling off to the side. <laughs> True. There's, I mean,. We, we see the magic summoning stuff. You know this is an isekai. You know she's going to go to another world. It'll be fine. Ah, uh, yeah. Though, you may be confused when we do not, in fact, go to a magical fantasy world. We kind of just go back to Japan. We pan up, we pan back down. It is no longer World War II. It is modern day, presumably. You know, my giant veiny brain just made the connection who that girl is. 
Ah, <laughs> uh, well, don't worry, you in the audience, if you have not seen any more of the series, you will not know who that girl is. Well, you can definitely figure it out with this episode, or at least I assume my assumption is correct. Yeah, you know what? Yeah, 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 you can suss it out. But it is very much not what I expected when I first saw the episode. So our main character walks around. He's like, oh, yeah, sure is peaceful as a transition from World War Two. We learn that he, you know, lives a normal job, uh, lives normal life. He graduated from college. He works at a general contracting firm. He is a normal ass sal salary man. He's just he's just 37. He's just living his normie 37 year old Japanese life. No girlfriends. Mm -hmm. Still a virgin. It's fine. Well, it's not that fine. He's he's not a, he's not happy about it. He is actually quite upset about it. This will be very important coming up very shortly. Yeah, if he go on. <laughs> so, as he's walking, he sees his kohai or well, we learn that he is meeting up with his kohai and his kohai's girlfriends and they they have a bit of a conversation. It's not creepy. She is famous, I believe. Oh, wait, no, no, no. Right, I right, right. I forgot. It, I yeah, that was just a tease. Famous in, uh, you know, sort of colloquial sense of, oh, yeah, yeah, you've talked about her in the, in the office so much. Yeah. Well, he's being asked out by his kohai, and he's, you know, appreciating it. He's trying to, you know, not be a jerk. Now, out of nowhere, a drooling, crazed murderer starts running through the streets, carrying a giant knife. He is making a absolute run right for uh, Senpai, or sorry, Kohai's girlfriend. She is understandably scared. Kohai puts out an arm to try and protect her. It seems like he's going, uh, the uh, knife man then is going for Kohai. Mm -hmm. our, our main character pushes him out of the way and takes the knife and when I say takes the knife I mean he gets stabbed and then the random knife man runs off never to be seen again <laughs> this is boy it's sure a start I would posit that this is the exact like spiritual opposite of going to another world, and then immediately meeting a rich man who wants to buy all your clothing for absurd amounts of money. <laughs> like, if that is a nat 20 for no reason whatsoever, you're just, like, looking around and you roll a nat 20, this is a real, you walk down the street and roll a nat 1 on nothing. <laughs> and then the... <laughs> Your DM randomly tells you to do a roll, and you're like, why? And he's like, do it. You you're are like, I failed. And she's like, you're dead. See, I see this more as like, you're playing with your D20 idly as you're just doing some conversation stuff and it falls out of your hands and it gets to a nat one and your DM's like, well, I got to come up with something. <laughs> this wasn't even meant to be a roll, but you did fail. Mm. <sighs> so he gets stabbed. He's like, oh, it's hot. I don't want this. And then immediately... <laughs> Without having to go to the other world or anything, I mean, understandably, but in most theories, we at least have a bit of a break before the uh, omniscient, like, AI narrator comes in and starts assigning skills. With this one, it is mm -hmm. as he is dying, everything he thinks is then accepted as being a new skill he's going to obtain. 
Ooh, you know what would be interesting? Oh. I, I get all my isekai skills, but then they forget to actually put me in isekai. So I'm just like, oh. revive. Just the, the I live bitch anime. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be into that. There's definitely, there's gotta be a market for that. I mean, that is, if it is the I lived bitch anime, that is very much a, like, you know, a revenge story. That feels very like Inuyashiki, yeah. actually. Like, in the sense yeah, that, Yeah, I was like, just thinking that it's just like that, that that would be Inuyashiki. Yeah. You come back, you got all the powers, what do you do? Yeah. Well, also, the way it interprets these things is pretty wild. So, he gets stabbed, he's like, uh, it's so hot, don't like it. It's like, okay, heat resistance acquisition successful. This is... I don't want to just go through all these skills, but it's hard to explain what is happening without just going through all the skills. So... He doesn't like being hot, having hot blood, so he has heat resistance. Then he's like, oh, I really hate that I got stabbed. And it's like, okay, stab resistance acquired. <laughs> also, you're going to be resistant to physical attacks. He's like, oh, Just the putting shit on the Amazon shopping list. <laughs> this is really Alexa, except <sighs> he says so. I mean, I, I do appreciate that his thoughts are not logical, that they are kind of all over the place. It does. You know, it, it's a good representation of someone who's been stabbed and is very confused. It's really more yeah. just this the system's interpretation of all of this that I find weird. <laughs> so he pulls out his hands that, you know, been touching his wound. It's covered in blood. He's like, oh, so much blood. And the system's like, all right, so pain nullification. Also, just going to make you a body that doesn't require blood. It seems like you don't like blood. <laughs> no <Yeah>. more blood. <laughs> blood is a critical weakness that must be eliminated. Mm -hmm. He is bleeding out and he goes cold. He's like, oh, it's so cold. Cold resistance acquisition successful. <laughs> mm. Then, of course, he has heat resistance and cold resistance now, which now combines into thermal fluctuation resistance. Mad. First, mm -hmm. you're hot because you're bleeding out. Then you're cold because you're bleeding out. Jeez, pick one, man. This is, incidentally, like, you may assume that this is a very simple, like, okay, as he is dying, it's going to give him a bunch of very easy skills, and then the rest of the series will be him getting, you know, skills in more difficult ways. But these are, you know, like, this is just building the character. No, not really. <laughs> like, for the rest of the episode, when he acquires, like, anything else, it is very much the same. It is just sort of, you do the thing a bit, and then you get the skill. Yeah. Which, it, like, it's the kind of thing where, like, I like the concept of the, like, you know, you live in somewhere, somewhere very hot or you're always around an open fire. And because of that, you gain the supernatural resistance to heat. That makes sense to me. But when it is just like, I, I feel kind of hot. OK, now I'm resistant to heat. Oh, no, I feel cold. Now I'm resistant to cold. Oh, because I, I have both resistances, I'll just gain another skill. It feels so it, like it doesn't feel video gamey. It feels way cheaper than a video game is. Like I've never played a game that has been that simple when it comes to acquiring new skills. Yeah, again, it's got that vibe of a D a D and D campaign where you're your own DM. <laughs> uh, so probably my favorite part of this episode happens right now, which is as he is dying, he reaches out to his kohai and he uh, desperately says, "Take the hard drive, take the hard drive out of my computer at home." Put it in the bath and make sure it's completely wiped. <laughs> what the hell does this man have on his hot drive? See, I 
I don't think it's anything too isekai protagonist. I, I feel like it's probably uh, just... I'm guessing it's just normal porn, and he just doesn't want his parents to come to his house and see the normal porn. I want yeah, to believe it. that's understandable. Maybe it's sad poems or something, which would be, of course, infinitely more embarrassing than a normal porn. Yeah, like, it could just be a diary about how much he wants a girlfriend. Like, something that isn't that bad, but it's something where it's like, yeah, I don't want anyone to see that when I die. Just... Burn it all, drown it. Oh no, the computer has gained cold and water resistance. Anyways, so the this omniscient AI then attempts to, I guess, also try to delete his porn? Or no, I I'm guessing it's trying to delete its own data, maybe? Either uh, I figured it was trying to delete his memories, but it failed. Because yeah. there wasn't enough interesting things in there. Yeah. So it didn't register it as having enough memories. So instead, it just gives him electric current resistance. Also, attached to that is paralysis resistance. You know, just as a bonus. So as Kohai's crying over him, he's like, I just want to show off my girlfriends. I didn't want you to get stabbed by a random person. Which, yeah, fair. That's karma, Fermite. Karma. <laughs> How uh. does that balance out? I don't know. Well, his girlfriend is also crying over our main character. And he's like, it's, it's, it's all right. Take care of her. I'm dying in front of you. You know, no pressure. I know you just started dating. but That's got to put a lot of strain on the relationship. Mm -hmm. If they eventually want to split up. Uh, and then they think back to the guy that literally <laughs> threw himself in front of a knife for them. And told them <laughs> to be happy together. Yeah. <sighs> So he reiterates, please delete my hard drive. <laughs> and as he starts passing out, he's like, I never thought I'd die a virgin. If I'm reborn, I'm definitely going to do a lot of sex. I'm going to be very, <laughs> very aggressive when it comes to sex. Uh, and thus the sympathy I had vanishes. <laughs> every protagonist, every Isekai main character, it's the one thing. I will screw everything that's not up by three on a tree. Uh, he then gains the unique skill, Predator, which, uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> based on what he said, the AI has been pretty loosey-goosey about some of these things, but this one I understand. I get why it would be like, all right, you're a Predator. The AI is functioning on some real imagined logic. <laughs> uh, it has very big Deno wish-granting energy. <laughs> <laughs> Only like in a positive sense. It's trying its best. It's just not very good at it. Yeah. Or rather, it makes up for not really understanding with being very, very generous. So he, as he is passing out, we get some trippy visuals. I, I think this looks pretty cool. He thinks about the classic, you know, when you, if you're a virgin when you're 30, you become a wizard. Since he was close to 40, he would have been a sage. This one, this one is a long walk. So he's like, I guess I would have been a sage. I could have even made it I, to the rank of great sage. I assume this is supposed to be a joke. Mm -hmm. It's simply not very funny. I mean, it's the combo of it's a joke. And then the AI, of course, goes, all right, extra skill, sage acquisition successful. In addition, I will transform it into the unique skill, great sage. Sure, buddy. Mm -hmm. You do you. Mm hmm. Of course, now, to be fair, now, he's also annoyed at the voice now, and he's like, oh, just shut up, just let me have some quiet time. Stop giving me power-ups. <laughs> uh, 
I mean, it doesn't give him not dying power-ups, nor does it cure him of his virginity. So, to be fair, like, the two big things he really wanted at the end didn't happen. You know, I would have had a begrudging kind of respect if the first question he asked to the omniscient AI was just, fuck me. <laughs> <laughs> I... You know, I really wonder now what would have happened if his last, you know, if some of his last thoughts were, I don't want to die. Like, would it, uh, would it have made him immortal in the next world and still let him die? Or would it have made him, like, would he have been immortal in this world? Because he was gaining the skills, it seems like, in that world. I don't, like, I can't tell if it was building, an, you know, something like the, you know, going to build you a body that doesn't need blood was definitely for the new world. But if he, if he had stopped, or, I don't know, like, if EMTs had managed to save him, would he have still had all those abilities? Uh, probably not. I assume it was the body that's getting the abilities. Yeah, you're right. So, as he dies, we see another, like, very, like, not super trippy, but interesting, like, you know, 3D, uh, like, a CG-enhanced landscape. A lot of, like, floating particles... There's a like wavy, oceany uh, effect flowing through it. There's like a big pillar there. There's a lens flare. This is a very cool visualizer effect. Mm hmm. There's a lot of really cool like visual effects. I mean, in the series, like, but specifically in this first episode, I think they do a very good job of selling you on like at the very least, this is gonna look very cool. And it's gonna be like, you know, there's some stuff you're gonna see in other series, but we're gonna make it look cool in this one. Mm hmm. Which I can. I can appreciate that. Yeah, I'm sure they worked a long time to get this kind of stuff looking like it does now. Mm hmm. So he's dying. He reminisces about how he pooped himself in grade school at one time. He's trying to figure out what was, what's going on. He's like, huh? I you know, can't see anything. I don't seem to have hands. Don't seem to have feet. Don't really have a body. Can't really see. But I can feel I'm moving. And he comes to realize that he is not in a, like, human body. He is, like, crawling over a plant. It... Now, yeah, I would have respected if they just kept the visualizer aesthetic weird or, like, surrealist art vision going for more time in this episode. Yeah. Like, this is so cool. Like, it's very cool, and it's like very strange it, it touches on a lot of like body horror stuff without it actually being body horror to me at the very least like it is yeah this very... i think it's good at conceptualizing mm -hmm. the impression that you've lost your normal human senses of what your environment even feels and looks like yeah like just his thoughts and feelings as he like crawls into a like a single leaf and the leaf is dissolving inside of him is so unique and weird and different and it, it really gets that feeling across to me in a way that I'm not, I'm not sure if anything else really has yeah but then of course we switch back to the more standard animation mm -hmm. yeah he well yeah we, we learn that he has been reincarnated as a slime aha mm -hmm. uh -huh. and by a slime I should you know I should describe our new slime character as being just a circle, you know, like an oval, just a blue oval with two lines that signify eyes and, you know, like like tiny little bits that can signify like, you know, little arms push out sometimes. 
when he's stressed out, he does like, you know, the oversized stretch or, uh, you know, like anger. Uh, what is that called again? No idea. You know, the, the anime anger marks. <laughs> yeah, the hashtag that appears on your head when you're mad. Uh, the Twitter emotion. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so he accepts it relatively quickly that, all right, I got reincarnated as a slime. And uh, since he doesn't need to eat, doesn't need to sleep, he's like, all right, there's some plants around here. I'm just going to eat some plants. I'm just going to move around and eat plants. Truly the turn to lizard eat bug fantasy we all share on Twitter. Ah, oh, yeah. Except I, I feel like, you know, turn into a lizard eat bug has a level of calmness to it. It's sort of a like, you know. You become lizard, you eat bug, you're probably just going to veg out for a bit, eat bug when you hung when hungry, lick some water when you're thirsty. But this is, of course, the soul of a, a capitalist. And so he's like, all right, if I'm going to eat plants, I'm going to eat all of these plants. I don't know where it's going, but I'm just going to keep on eating. And then as he wonders out loud, like, where, where is this going? I don't poop. The AI speaks up once more and is like, all right, you have a unique skill, Predator, and your skill has a stomach, and that is where all of your stuff goes. You know, it, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm a bit surprised that questions to the AI that he could ask, like, who are you? Where am I? What are you? What am I? What's happening? Just don't come up. Oh. We get like a half answer in that, like the AI itself, like what whatever reincarnated him is slightly different from like what is giving him all the answers and that what is giving him the answer seems to be Great Sage, that unique ability he has. I guess it's very much visualized and he has a voice in his head, mm -hmm. which would make sense to ask more, I guess, high minded questions to. Yeah. Or have I, you know, just less immediate questions? The extreme lack of curiosity is mm -hmm. sort of astounding outside of, you know, like immediately asking about the quote unquote game mechanics on display here. Mm hmm. He goes right into the grinds. Uh, it... <laughs> you, you've seen Yu Gi Oh, right? Mm hmm. One of my favorites, like, Images I can think of is uh, when Yami Yugi is like playing Dungeon Dice Monsters for the first time and he doesn't know how to play the game at all. Like he starts the game without really knowing it, but he's got like uh, like a little screen with all the information on it. He starts reading it and then later in the game, he is reading the screen some more because, again, he doesn't know how to play the game. And uh, Duke Devlin, at least that was his dub name. I forgot his actual name. It's like Ryuji or something. Uh, he is gritting his teeth and he's like, you, yeah, Yugi, you cheater, as he's reading the instructions on how to play the game. <laughs> After he has gained an advantage, mostly because, again, he doesn't know how to play the game and he keeps on bringing up things that he doesn't know. <laughs> oh, man. I mean, there's also just the fact that he is the king of games, and I find the idea of the king of games reading a manual not, like, it's not silly. There's nothing wrong with reading a manual, but there is something inherently charming about it being a, like, yeah, I'm going to read the manual because even if I am the king of games, I don't know all games. I don't know what this is. <laughs> Some jackass invented this. 
two hours ago. Explicitly in order to beat me because I didn't know the rules. <laughs> I mean, he knew what he was doing. Yami Yugi is aggressively allergic to reading opponents' cards. Mm -hmm. He would never read the rules, at least not in his mind. Of course not. <laughs> I mean, so much of early Yu-Gi-Oh! matches banked on the fact that no one was, like, paying attention to what their opponent's cards did. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and that was, like, the entirety of the tension build. It was just like, what? Your monster <laughs> gains power whenever it's attacked? How could I have known? Like, in the first ever duel between Yugi and Kaiba, like in the manga, there, the main problem in the duel is that they've established attack mode and defense mode and that you can attack with monsters. That's basically it. I think there's like one spell card in that entire first duel. But we know the rules are you can play monsters in attack mode or defense mode. And if you play in defense mode, you don't take damage. And for no reason, after that has been established, Yami keeps on playing all of his monsters in attack mode, and Kaiba keeps on killing them with his one monster. And then he's down to like 400 life points, and he's like, oh no, I'm losing. <laughs> How do I get out of this one? <laughs> it is really the young fighting game player's mindset. How will I win if I don't go in? <laughs> Gotta attack. <laughs> blocking doesn't deal damage. Well, speaking of always being on the attack, our slime is now like, well, okay, what is Predator? Predator, of course, being the ability that he gained by thinking really hard, man, I sure do want to have sex with women. I will have sex with so many women if I have another mm. time. The power of Predator is that it allows you to ingest objects and analyze them within your body. <laughs> <laughs> Of course, I mean, he can absorb it, he can gain their attributes, then he can, like, turn into that thing as well. All, of course, something that he will definitely want to do with women. Don't think, come. Don't say, come. <laughs> don't. Just don't. Uh, we get a, shot, a really nice shot of, like, a, again, very, like, visualizer. Just a big 3D, like, intake thing with, you know, two different exhausts coming out of it. Yeah, the directing is very exciting this episode, at the very least. Yeah. Uh, so he's like, all right, well, this is pretty broken. Tell me about these plants. We get some exposition about the plants. We know they're full of magicules. Magicules are, of course, molecules, but they let you do, ma uh, do magic. You can go at a bit faster, right, I think. Like, there's yeah. a lot of there's yeah, a lot. Like, explanations of concepts that no one cares about. No one cares. Anyways... The point is, he realizes that he can turn these into potions, and he's like, alright, so I'm going to eat all the plants I can find and turn them all into healing potions, because I'm probably going to need them eventually. He does a big capitalist, he consumes everything, he turns it all into valuable, valuable things that he does not really need, but might need someday. Or he might need... He turns it into a metaphor for the United States, briefly. He consumes everything possible. He falls down some stairs, falls into a lake, and is like, ah, well, I'm in a lake. Maybe I'm going to die. Unless, <laughs> unless I do a big Luffy. And so, uh, they, uh, he sucks in a whole bunch of water, spits it out really hard, gains the jet propulsion skill, and then slaps into a mysterious magic barrier that, of course, he cannot feel. 
or like he can feel the barrier, but he doesn't know what it is due to, of course, still being blind. So if he he did the jet propulsion and then gained the jet propulsion skill, but he could already do jet propulsion. So really, Mm -hmm. it's just giving him brownie points. It's like a gold star for doing something you can already do. I think it's more like you did you did it once by yourself. Now we're going to give you a shortcut for it. Okay, that's a bit hard to visualize, you know, considering it's already a very simple action. It's like in a fighting game, except you're playing with your uh, like desktop keyboard. And every time you manage to do a combo, it then says, all right, don't do that anymore. Instead, we're going to just map it to a different key on your computer. And now you can do any call. You can do any combo instantly via macro that is automatically programmed into the game for you. Yeah, I could see how that would ruin fighting games. Uh, I'm sure it's very exciting in this, though. I'm very surprised that when he uh, like slammed into the barrier and had it like a chunk erased from uh, his body and then had to like regrow it, that he didn't get some sort of like barrier breaking ability level one. Or like that he didn't use the healing potions, he just got a regeneration ability, which feels like it pretty largely invalidates that entire healing potion thing. (laughs) Listen, it's not about having things for yourself. It's about having things that someone else might want eventually. Or more importantly, it's about using up all the expensive herbs that someone might want to come to this cave to have in the future and removing all of them so that nothing will ever grow here again. (laughs) Anyways, a mysterious blurry figure on the other side of the barrier starts screaming at the slime. It's like, oh, you talk to me. I know you can hear me. (laughs) And the slime's just like, I don't have a mouth. You're bald. I hate you. (laughs) Get more classic fighting game dialogue. (laughs) In response... The blurry figure gets extremely butthurt and screams at the top of its lungs and goes, ah, I was trying to be nice because I haven't had a visitor in so long. I'm going to kill you. (sighs) (sighs) But um, Slime's like, oh, I can't see. And so the mysterious figure is like, all right, I'm going to give you sight because I'm very sad and lonely because I got trapped here a long time ago. So all you got to do is come. Don't be scared and also come back to see me. Please do those two things. Please don't do anything else in the second episode. Don't do anything else ever. I just want someone to come here and make friends with me because I'm so lonely and so bored all the time. I like Hype Dragon. He is my favorite. (laughs) I do like this dragon. So the dragon's like, so... There's an ability called, uh, what was it? <laughs> you know, like, magic sense. Magic sense. Do you, do you have it? He's like, no, I don't have magic sense. I'm, I'm curious. Do people, do normal people in this world also have the power up, or, you know, like the pop-ups that say like, now you have this ability. Like in Presumably a lot of series, probably not in most series. That is just a Isekai main character thing. But then like, how do you know what the magic sense is? That's true. I feel like the answer is don't think about it. Mm-hmm. So, again, this mysterious shadowy potential dragon was like, I'm going to give you the power of sight. And what they meant was, so do you know what uh, magic sense is? Okay, no, you don't. Try sensing the, ma- the magic around you real hard. Just, just try real hard. Mm-hmm. And so the slime grunts real hard and is like, oh, I'm going to try. 
and then they do, and then they get the extra skill magic sense. Also, you know, I think the comparison is interesting because, like, mm-hmm. what, like two weeks ago or so, Kanjin Omago had an extremely similar scene to this that worked uh-huh. much better by just giving at least a basic kind of explanation for how this is supposed to work. Mm-hmm. And also just having way better build up to it than just like, yeah, just do it. And then, yeah, this is the deal. I'll just tell you how to do it. I mean, I can't really fault the onslaught. I mean, I can fault the onslaught of here is like all here's your skills. I'm going to spend a lot of time just like listing out all these skills. But I do think it works a lot better in a light novel where, you know, due to being able to set your own pace, you can skim over, you know, skill acquisitions and you can go back and look over them if if you care about them or you can like quickly glance at it like you don't have to have a narrator speak the entire thing it is essentially just having one or two words you know to your cognitive you know to your reading it you know it's a lot longer but it's not really longer you can look at the sentence and get it whereas here they do have to do the whole thing I think someone brought this up to me recently, and it's it's an inherent problem of this type of story being conceived as like a novel, where a lot of the explanatory text would be a lot less, uh, would take up a lot less real estate in the story. Whereas here, it's just a huge annoyance in so many places because so it takes up so much time. Yeah, uh, it's. It's rough. It's also a situation where, like, I could see a series, like, being more inventive with it. Like, you could always do the monogatari thing of putting up the full text and then just having someone, you know, say, like, you have cold resistance, you have heat resistance. Or even just, like, you know, doing an anime-only quick recap of, like, okay, these, this is the stuff I got when I died. I think that's what uh, one of those Demon Lord Isekai watched tried, but then also just... They they told you what was happening on screen in a giant text box, and then they also just did it too, mm-hmm. which kind of defeats the entire purpose. All uh, right. Or like how not adapt yeah. it to completely to something that works better in anime slash manga, and just do the psychic whistle opening where it's just like a very blunt ten second listing of all the superpowers <laughs> before shooting into the story. <laughs> Honestly, that would be a brilliant way to do a like evolving OP without it having to even like change the animation or anything. If every episode in, in it'd have to be something like Remonster, where there's a lot of like stuff being acquired every episode or every chunk. But you could just start off each OP with, all right, here's what I've got right now. Here's my status. Here's all this stuff. Mm-hmm. I know you don't really care, but we're doing it in the OP, so we're not wasting time in the episode. Yeah, it's like when they do OPs with big bold text character introductions in a uh, large cast that's shown in anime yeah and I- i'm not saying that slime should have done something like that because i know there's also a big fan base for exactly this like you got the big isekai stands who are really into the listing out of every single skill as it comes up and then listing out how they combine and listing out like, all right, now you've finally gotten these up to level three. Now they will give you this additional skill, which now combines with the skill you stole from that one goblin, which now becomes your fourth skill, which you will now trash using your destroy other skills in order to get a different skill skill. Like, there's an audience for it. It's not yeah. like it's not my jam, but I, mean, I it's, it's not like I yeah. don't get the appeal entirely, mm-hmm. but 
I do think the presentation in a lot of cases is very lackluster and mostly just ruined by me finding the protagonists of these stories absolutely obnoxious. I feel like it it also runs the, runs into a problem that most mecha series have solved without really even needing to in the sense that like you can get a breakdown of like most Gundams like uh, no every Gundam there every Gundam that has ever been released in official media has a breakdown that give, tells you all the parts and what all the parts do and you don't need to really know that unless it is you know very important in series and then they'll usually give you a quick like you know this plating is now heat resistant or this is a cloak that it, you know diffuses uh, beam weapons but you get the general sense of like this is just kind of what the mech does and if you want all the nitty-gritty details, you can find them elsewhere. Yeah. I feel exactly. like there's a lot of gritty detail that ends up in light novel adaptations that doesn't need to be there. Like Yeah, especially not in the adaptation. Yeah, like even something like Monogatari, which is very text heavy already, still manages to like you know, it gives you the feeling of the, the light novels by flashing lots of text at you with no intention. You know, like You're not intended to read all of it. It is just meant to give you that feeling without actually making you read paragraphs and paragraphs of text in the middle of your 20 minute episode. And if you want to get mm-hmm. off, get across that ecstet- that aesthetic of like this is this feels very complicated. You can do that without just making it very unwieldy and complicated. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Anyways, sorry about the big, long tangent. That's all right. It was related to what we were talking about. So I think mm-hmm. it's pretty relevant. Ah. So our, our slime can now see. And he turns around and he's like, oh, no, you're a scary dragon. You are very, very scary looking. <laughs> and the dragon says, listen, I asked for two things from you. And the slime quickly goes like, no, no, no. OK, listen, not scared. It's fine cool ah the dragon introduces themselves as the storm dragon veldora and i i like veldora a lot so like i feel like now is when we get a lot more of uh, veldora's like personality they're a little more jovial a little more goofy they sulk a bit mm-hmm. so yeah uh veldora also just knows about uh reincarnation and specifically that most people get like magic uh, or sorry like summoning circle isekai into this world but this is the first time they've heard of anyone like dying and being reincarnated into this world yes and summoning circle isekaiing in this functions a bit like familiar of zero but more intentionally yeah like i i think it's also very comparable to how not to summon a demon lord if they did in fact summon the demon lord correctly Uh yeah yes Something like that. You go to the big hill, which is explained three different ways, both with lots of text and also with narration and also with the characters. And then they do the summoning and then they violate your consent in order to bind you. You know how it is. (laughs) Yeah, which at least is an interesting concept for the world. Mm -hmm. Uh, I hope we go into it in an interesting way. Yeah, this should also, of course, uh, be... uh, Making the audience remember the way that this episode cold opens with the you know girl from World War Two, and how like oh yeah. yeah that that is not our slime, who is that? Yeah yeah the connection is very easy to make once you actually think about it. Mm-hmm. So three hundred years ago, uh, Veldora explains exactly what was going like how uh, they got sealed here, 
So 300 years ago, they were burning down a village accidentally. We then cut, cut to them seemingly very intentionally burning down this village. I don't know what Veldora is doing if not burning down this village. Veldora seems like kind of a dick, but I'll forgive him because he's funny. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if that's a good precedent to set, but it's one we're going to set. Listen, genocide is okay if you're not a really annoying, so overly self-aware isekai protagonist. Ah, uh, funny genocide. Yeah, it's the good kind of genocide. So, in the midst of the fire was a mysterious person wearing a mask. And Vildor's like, well, I wasn't really trying until halfway through the fight, but I still lost. And they were really, really strong. And then we see that they use absolute severance and then sealed Vildor with unlimited imprisonment. Sure, man. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so... This is when we get, you know, all the exposition about summons and summoners and how that works and how, you know, a summon is basically sort of a slave to the summoner. The slime then thinks about being sealed away for 300 years and it's like, you know, I didn't have a girlfriend for like 37 years. It's almost like being sealed away underground for 300 years. That sucks. You know what? We're going to yeah. be friends. <laughs> <laughs> so small slime is like, um, well, let's be friends. Veldor is trying to be all Cinderella. Then they're like, yeah, yeah, okay, you know what? Sure, let's be friends. I'll think about it. <laughs> yeah. They get along. They're buddies. <laughs> they're forever alone. Ah, uh, well, I think only the dragon is forever alone. Slime <laughs> is presumably, until next episode, more or less alone. <laughs> <laughs> the slime touches, uh, you, know, uh, t you know, the tip of the claw of this enormous dragon. They're bathed in yellow light, the yellow light of friendship. And mm -hmm. the slime says, that's the story of how I got stabbed, died, reincarnated as a slime, and became friends with the storm dragon Veldora. That's it. Ah, <laughs> farewell, normal life. Please, I sure hope the Tamara wiped my hard drive. Hard cuts to <laughs> Tamara picking up the whole PC, including the monitor for some reason, running over to the bathtub and dropping it in. <laughs> Uh, the anime, uh, the anime tells us never attempt this. Thank you, anime. You saved me. <laughs> it was also plugged in, by the way. This is a desktop computer that was still plugged in, and he dropped the both the the tower and the monitor into the bathtub while they were plugged in. I don't understand. Wait, what room did this even take place in? Uh. Presumably the bathroom. Was yeah. there a desk in there? Hold on. Uh, no, I believe he's walking through the door to the bathroom. So it's probably like being stretched in from another room. I see. Well, you gotta have it still plugged in so it fries properly. There's nothing that could go wrong here, Thermite. But why the monitor? If this was a comedy series and a more entertaining one, he would have died doing this and also gotten isekai'd. <laughs> I do like the idea of a constant cycle of people dying to respect the wishes of the last person who died, while the person who is dying swears revenge on the person that they are dying because of. As a constant, in the next world, I'm gonna find you and kill you because you made me wipe your porn off the hard drive. Yeah, and then his lover, like, throws herself in front of a car and's like, I'll come after you. And then the guy that had a crush on her was like, oh, she killed himself because of 
this fucking guy that died. I'm so mad. Mm-hmm. Eventually, you gotta get back to Random Man with a Knife. I mean, the ultimate final boss is Random Man with a Knife that stabbed our main character. Yeah, he gets Isekai'd as the Demon Lord. Ah, <laughs> oh, I... I like this OP well enough. Like, the OP plays at the very end of the episode. And it's all right. I mean, it immediately spoils that. I mean, OP spoilers. There's a... I hate form spoilers in my OPs, man. I cannot believe that they didn't hold off on at least the shot, you know, the different form spoilers. You'd think. I, I guess it's better than trying to mislead everyone by selling the series as our main character is always going to be in slime mode. It's yeah. A, very clear, like, no, they're immediately going to have a human form. Yeah, we see other side characters. We see some obvious antagonists. We see the summoning girl who, judging by her position in the story and evil mask and tragic backstory, is clearly... Uh, one of the only possible winners of the slime ball, mm. as you can see by consulting the possible harem winners chart. Uh, I mean, I think it is notable and a thing I should point out very, you know, very much so that this is an OP in which you cannot use the OP as the potential harem winners charts. Unlike, oh, unlike most of the series that we w- watch. Like, there is a there's a variety of characters in this one, a lot of whom are just non-human and not non-human in a they're just a, a big titty anime girl with ears. But in a like, you know, there's there's some stray of just goblins in here. There's some uh, like uh, bird people. There's, there's a big a, wolf. There's a big wolf. Like, it is much more in keeping with a traditional like, you know, power fantasy shonen series than a I'm going to have sex with 50 girl series. Man, that guy will never get his wish. Ah, uh, I mean, we'll have to see, but this, this may be one of the few series where the main character starts off unbelievably horny and does not immediately, in, you know, push their horniness into everything they do over the course of the next 12 episodes. God fucking I wish. Although, I guess it won't really that matter that much. I probably won't watch much more slimy Sakai after this. Hmm. I I actually do like Slime Isekai a fair bit, like, in when it comes to Isekai as a whole, but this first episode is not a good seller for wh- anything I like about the series, and we are rating the first episode only. I, I want to get that out there to any Slime stands who are going to jump in and go like, ah, oh, you should have watched more episodes. I, I have, but we do the first episode, and I think it'd be very unfair for us to go into slime saying well for this one i am going to do it differently because i have additional knowledge that you know you don't or that you know no one else does okay i think we've pretty much made it through by the by now yeah uh, yeah I, I feel like we are pretty darn ready for ratings okay well then raid away for a moment. all right oh boy how spicy is that time I got reincarnated as a slime, episode one. I, uh, hmm. Uh, I mean, visually, there's there's a fair bit of visual spice. That's true. Mm-hmm. That's true. I like the I like the goof of frying his hard drive. That's no, that's not spice. I mean, it is. That's- 
that's more that's more factoring into the nicey rating slash a bit of the isekaisi rating in terms yeah. of yeah yeah in terms of just pure spice this is not very spicy this is what if i was in a cave i mean <laughs> this like, is very close to the ari Foreda episode honestly but less edgy yeah, like, Ari Freda, at the very least, starts in the cave, and then we get some time in that world outside of the cave. We have a revenge story, like, there's a clear thing propelling us forward as to, you know, why our main character wants to maybe get out of the cave. Now, now, let's not pretend that Ari Freda episode one is better structured than this episode. That would be very disingenuous. It is not, no, it's not structured very well, but it had some spice to it. That is true. It was not good spice, but I ate it. I bit into it and I was like, well, I don't know what this is. <laughs> Whereas I, I I know everything that this is and it's not that interesting. So I'm giving it a solid, solid two on spice. How about you? A two, huh? Yeah. Mm, I guess I'll give it a two, too. That makes sense. I, I, I'll agree with that. All right. So next, of course, we've got the nice rating and on a niceness scale, like I, I enjoyed myself well enough. I mean, I did enjoy this first episode enough that without it being a hype thing or a like wanting to talk to other people about a thing, I did keep on watching it. It's got to count for something. Yeah, I I also feel like, you know, especially the horny uh, bit was very much like amplified by you know in this current reading by you know all the various other isekai we have watched <laughs> that have taken that and pushed in a much worse direction even you know in episode one whereas this was fairly inoffensive it was i was really horny but now i'm happy <laughs> yeah i mean i'll give this a five it's just so i i i watched it and i feel very little about it and like I think I tried to read this in a manga form, and the anime was certainly significantly better than the manga form. Mm. I also think there was more interior monologue that was bad in the manga, which okay. I assume is probably also in the light novel, although I can't quite judge that since I haven't read that. Yeah, like, as much as we were complaining about, like, the wordiness, this was not the wordiest Isekai first episode we've seen, and I feel like they definitely, like trimmed down some things and did a little more showing rather than telling not a no not as much as they could have done but some yeah i don't know like my feelings are like sure okay this is fine fifth place at the mediocrity contest i'll go a little more it's okay yeah i'll be a little more generous than you i'll give it a seven okay and well then finally we've got the isekaisi rating how isekai is this <laughs> I'll, I'll give this a 10. This is mm. very isekai. Yeah, like, I don't really have any nitpicks. It is, it's a 10 to me too. This is, like, the absolute template of everything I would want in an isekai series in order for it to be considered an isekai series. We see both worlds. We know, you know, there's some travel between them. There are differences. There's a, a feeling of isolation. There's, mm -hmm. uh, yeah. All the things I talk about every single episode, it's all there. So 10 for me as well. Okay. Well, then we should get out of our tent and <laughs> put an end to this episode. Yeah. This feels actually pretty smooth. 
as I mean, we're at an hour actually. Did not feel like it, but maybe if I didn't talk for like ten minutes about Yu-Gi-Oh. Ah, <laughs> uh, no, I, I had fun with this one. Yeah, same. Well then, uh, next week we're covering Spider Isekai. Ah, uh, we're going from slime Isekai to Spider Isekai. I mean. <laughs> Doing some heavy hitters. Guys, do not get used to this. I promise we're just getting some heavy hitters out of our systems because we wanted to. We'll we'll do another yeah. series you've never heard about sometime soon. Yep, don't worry. It'll be some obscure seasonal from three years ago or some obscure passion project from 20 years ago. It'll be I'm sure it'll be something that won't disappoint you like our current offering. <laughs> We know it. Y- you all want to hear about the best shonen anime of 1989. We'll get around to it. Exactly. I'm sure we'll do a follow-up episode on that sometime. It's a good show. You should watch all of Shirado. Yeah. <laughs> all right now. Do it. <laughs> all right. Uh, we never do any plugs at the back because we don't have to. Please check the description. I know a lot of people don't check the descriptions on podcasts, but that's where we have all of our plugs. That's where we have all of our stuff. It means you don't have to hear us say the same thing over and over again at the end of every episode. Just wanted to put that out there. Yep. All right. In that case, we will see you in another world. (laughs) 